Well, this is the last time I get to say this for a while and from this pulpit. Turn with me, brothers and sisters, to Hebrews chapter 13. cannot think of a better place for us to end our race together at College Street Baptist Church than in the final benediction of the letter to the Hebrews. A benediction. The word benediction comes from the Latin bene, meaning good, and dictio, meaning speech. But the truth is, brothers and sisters, we do not simply come to church on Sunday mornings week after week so that we may hear a good speech and go home. We come to hear good speech. This is why week after week, month after month, year after year, I've done everything in my power not to ascend this pulpit with a handful of inspirational stories or political opinions or warmed over messages stolen from successful preachers or loud and empty bluster, but to enter this pulpit with this book. The only book in the entire universe that is filled page after page, word after word with nothing but good speech. For nine years, we've been leaning on this book, feeding our souls with the words on its pages, trusting in the God from whose mouth these words have been spoken by his spirit and believing in the good God-man who is spoken to us here, Jesus Christ. We've made it through Judges, Ruth, First and Second Samuel, Nehemiah, Zechariah, Matthew, Acts, 2 Corinthians, Colossians, 1 and 2 Thessalonians, Titus, Philemon, and now Hebrews. 205 chapters. 5,765 verses. 150,790 good words. As I say, one last benediction, one last good word to the church that I have loved these past nine years, the word goodbye. There is no better way than to just simply let God's word say it for me. Because as I said, we have not gathered to hear a good speech. We have gathered to hear good speech. And so, brothers and sisters, why don't we receive the final benediction from God himself in Hebrews 13. Let's stand together as we begin reading in verse 18. Pray for us, for we are sure that we have a clear conscience, desiring to act honorably in all things. I urge you the more earnestly to do this in order that I may be restored to you the sooner. Now, may the God of peace, 
who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep by the blood of the eternal covenant, equipped you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I appeal to you, brothers, bear with my word of exhortation, for I have written to you briefly. You should know that our brother Timothy has been released, with whom I shall see you if he comes soon. Greet all the leaders and all the saints. Those who come from Italy send you greetings. Grace be with you all. You may be seated. Of the 21 epistles or New Testament letters we have in the Bible, only two of them don't have some form of benediction in them. Only five of them don't end with the benediction. For example, Galatians ends with this simple goodbye. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirits, brothers. Amen. Or in 2 Corinthians, we find Paul writing, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In fact, perhaps you have never thought about this, the final verse of the Bible is a benediction. Revelation 22, verse 21. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. Benediction is the Christian's way of saying goodbye. In fact, even our word goodbye is itself a benediction. It's a contraction of the phrase, God be with ye. As humans, we hate to say goodbye by nature, but we shouldn't, as Christians, be afraid of benedictions. They're a gift from God. And even as we speak them and share them back and forth with one another, we are proclaiming to each other our great hope that one day, very soon, goodbyes will cease forever. So let's look at this final benediction we find here in Hebrews 13. What is a benediction exactly? Well, it's three things. A benediction is firstly a word of prayer. Secondly, it is a word of blessing. And finally, it's a word of encouragement. First, a benediction is a word of prayer. Let's look at verse 18. Pray for us, for we are sure that we have a clean, clear conscience, desiring to act honorably in all things. I urge you the more earnestly to do this in order that I may be restored to you the sooner. So this first thing we notice as he's wrapping up and saying his goodbyes is that a benediction is a word of prayer. Those of you who've been here with us throughout the whole letter of Hebrews, we realize something. If this letter is true, if we really have been granted access before, before the throne of grace by the blood of Jesus, if he himself has become our doorway into the presence of God, then we have a duty and a privilege to enter into God's presence and to pray a benediction over one another. Priests pray. This is their job. This is their primary activity. In the true house of God, there aren't any sacrifices being offered anymore. That's the point in chapter 7 and chapter 8. We hear this term over and over again. Once for all, 
Jesus died once for all, offered his blood once for all. The sacrifice has been made once for all. Well, if Jesus, the great high priest, is still in the holy temple, what is he doing there if not sacrificing? Hebrews 7 tells us he always lives to make intercession for us. If Jesus, our brother, always lives to make intercession for us, then so shouldn't we. This is how we serve God in his holy temple, by praying for our brothers and sisters. Pray for us. Prayer is the good speech. Prayer is how we live and relate to one another in the house of God. When we are in prayer, we are actually joining Jesus where he is already praying and always will be. And this is the prayer of benediction. Hebrews 13 mentions two things. The author requests, please pray these things for us. Pray for our consciences and secondly, for our restoration. Look at verse 18 again. Pray for us, for we are sure that we have a clear conscience, desiring to act honorably in all things. So the author of Hebrews is saying, when you do pray for us, pray for our consciences. We know from chapter 10 that a clean conscience is actually a gift from the Holy Spirit. It's something to be proud of. Paul writes to the Corinthians, we heard it already this morning. For our boast is this, the testimony of our conscience that we have behaved in the world with simplicity and godly sincerity, not by earthly wisdom, but by the grace of God and supremely so toward you. So to pray a benediction for our brothers and sisters is to speak a word of prayer for their consciences. In his song, Fear, Kendrick Lamar expresses the sentiment I believe many, many ministers share. He says, I feel like the whole world wants me to pray for them, but who's praying for me? You should be in the regular habit of praying a benediction for your brothers and sisters and for the ministers in your life. Praying for their conscience that they would shepherd the people of God gently, that they would act honorably in all things. You should pray that God would give these ministers the gift of being able to look back at nine years of ministry and to say, I am sure that I have a clear conscience. My desire always was to act honorably. Before we move on, we need to mention also that uh, he requests prayer not only for his conscience, he says, but pray also for our restoration. Verse 19. I urge you the more earnestly to do this, that is, to pray for us, that I may be restored to you the sooner. And the word that's used here for restoration, or that I may be restored, is usually the word used for fixing something that's broken. There's a very real sense in which our parting from one another creates a brokenness that has to be ultimately fixed. Goodbyes are the saddest part of any relationship. On Sunday mornings, the benediction is the saddest part of the service because it means it's over <laughs> and we're leaving each other. A benediction is spoken the moment before we part ways. 
Benedictions are the prayers of souls longing never to be separated. They're the prayers of hands that don't want to let go. A benediction is a way of making it into a long goodbye. It puts into words our souls longing for the day when we will all be restored, when we will meet never to part again. Our hardest benedictions are the ones in our lives that feel like goodbye forever. In our life, this has been one of the hardest parts about ministering to international college students. You give your heart to these kids, but once they graduate, you may never see them again. You have them in your home, and you share meals together, and you pray with them, and you love them, and then they graduate. And then like uh, this past December, you find yourself walking across Newberry College, absolutely bawling your eyes out, and trying not to make a scene because the German student that you've celebrated with, you may never see again. My friend Chris is going to have to say his last goodbye to his mother this coming Saturday. She died of cancer this weekend. Tony just mentioned to me this morning that on Friday she's going to have to say her last goodbye at the funeral for her brother Kenneth. This is why funerals are so hard. Funerals are the final benediction, committing someone's soul into the hands of God and their body to the ground. And we know that we're saying goodbye for the last time. Last goodbyes are so hard. But as Christians, we need to know and believe that the last goodbye also means only one thing. That the next time we see each other, it will be hello forever. In the Christian life, parting is such sweet sorrow because we know that no parting can ever be eternal. We meet to part, but part to meet. And we should pray for the day when Christ returns and restores all things and we must never part from one another again. Benediction is a word of prayer. Well, secondly, benediction is a word of blessing. And we love to toss the word blessed around. It's a very nebulous word these days. We don't quite know what it means. But, you know, maybe uh, if you've ever given a toast at a wedding or you've ever been at a wedding where their toasts have been made, a toast is probably the closest thing we have in modern society to a blessing. We toast at weddings. We toast at business Christmas parties or retirement parties at bars with friends. But the one place we don't ever find people toasting one another for some reason is in the church. Why don't we toast in church? Why is it that we don't show up to this gathering excited to stand up and speak a blessing to somebody else who's gathered with us? To toast them, wishing them all God's best in the Lord. Maybe it's because you and I don't know what we would say. If I were to raise a glass in the people of, among the people of God, what would I say? If it was the last time you were to see your brothers and sisters until the return of Jesus, what blessing would you wish them? So many of our blessings or toasts come, uh, they're the greeting card variety, you know. They don't really have any substance. May health and happiness and prosperity be with you always, or I wish you great success in the coming business year. <laughs> the good thing about Hebrews 13 is that verses 20 and 21 put into words the blessing that we really want to speak over one another. 
Look at it with me. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good, that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Friends, benediction is not only a word of prayer, it's a word of blessing. If prayer is how we minister others to God, blessing is how we minister God to one another. This blessing here in verse, 13, in verse 20 begins with the God of peace. Saying, may this God act in your life. May the God who raised Jesus, our shepherd, from the dead make himself known to you. May his life-giving power be on display in you and may his promises, according to his eternal covenant, all be fulfilled in your life. May his forgiveness reign over you by the blood of his son who is offered for you on the cross. And then the blessing, secondly, continues by evoking the name of our Lord Jesus May you have great confidence in the great shepherd who has had victory over even the grave. May he lead you with his gentle hand. May you know that his death on the cross was for the forgiveness of your sins. And his resurrection from the dead has won for you the right to be called the children of God and to be co-heirs with him of all things. May his blood give you great confidence to draw near in time of need. To the throne of grace and may his banner over you forever and ever be love and then the blessing prays that this god of peace together with our lord jesus christ would by his spirit equip you to do what to please him verse 21 may this god of peace equip you with everything good that you may do his will working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ. So may you be established in every good work, that you may be fully pleasing to God, that you may do his will perfectly and walk in the path of righteousness all the days of your life. In short, may you make it to the finish line where Jesus Christ is waiting for you. In many ways, I feel like this past nine years College Street Baptist Church has served somewhat like a nursery. We've seen many people come and grow and then go. I think of people like Joey and Katie Bodie, Branson and Hannah Sanders, the Wolf family who are back with us this morning. Countless children from Boys Farm, college students like Tony, Nathan, Abby, Alex, and now Sarah. You don't grow plants so that they will live in the nursery forever. You grow them so that eventually they'll be taken and planted somewhere else. And when they go, you don't hope that they wither and die. You say to the plants as they're leaving the nursery, be fruitful, multiply, bloom, grow, prosper, by God's grace, live. As we bless one another, we're also recognizing that difficulty may lie just beyond the horizon for some of us. Verse 20 says that the God of peace 
brought again from the dead, our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the dead, by the blood of the eternal covenant. So Jesus was raised from the dead because he suffered. He was glorified in his resurrection because he walked the pathway to the cross. In his suffering, he earned his resurrection and ours. By his blood, he was raised, and by his blood, so shall we be. So we need to administer the blessing of the benediction to one another wherever the path may lead. May God grant us the grace to follow Jesus through the suffering, through the discipline. May God establish your feet in every way that is perfectly pleasing to him. May you help you not only to do good, but to resist evil. May you reach the finish line just as Jesus has. May you be raised. May your resurrection body bring eternal glory and honor to the Jesus who has won it for you forever and ever. It's a crazy thing as Christians to have our most supreme desire simply to do what pleases God. Not to serve ourselves, not to succeed, not to even avoid pain or hardship. I just want to do the good that God wants me to do. That's what I want. Well, we should pray then for one another and bless one another. May God give you the grace and the ability to do the good that you want to do that's going to please him. Because I want to please God. You want to please God. There really is no greater desire in the heart of a child than to know that they are fully delightful to their father. And that's what we want. We never outgrow that longing. I just want to know that my heavenly father is proud of me. Don't you? That he's happy with me. That I just want to delight and dance and live in the forever pleasure of my heavenly father. So let us surrender one another to God in the blessing of benediction. Surrender ourselves to the Heavenly Father in working whatever He pleases in our lives. And He may give us the supreme desire of our hearts, which is simply to do what pleases Him. Benediction is a word of prayer. Secondly, it is a word of blessing. And thirdly and finally, it is a word of encouragement. Verse 22. I appeal to you, brothers, bear with my word of exhortation, or you could say encouragement, for I have written to you briefly. You should know that our brother Timothy has been released, with whom I shall see you if he comes soon. Greet all the leaders and all the saints. Those who come from Italy send you greetings. Grace be with you all. There's great encouragement when we are gathered together to be able to hear brothers and sisters entering into the presence of God and praying for you. And even when you don't get to hear them, knowing that they're praying for you is an encouragement. There's great encouragement in receiving the blessing of God through one another to hear the good news. Once again, brothers and sisters, God has raised from the dead the one man in the entire universe who can save us. Praise God. Be encouraged, O sheep. Not even death itself could keep our great shepherd down. If not even the grave could destroy him, what shall we fear? Benediction makes even our parting encouraging. You notice there how the author mentions Timothy and those who are in Italy who are probably 
hundreds of miles away from the people who first received this letter. And yet their greetings from faraway lands come to them as a word of encouragement. Indeed, this whole letter was sent because the author of Hebrews couldn't be there in person. So this letter itself he calls a word of exhortation, a word of encouragement. But even our parting from friends, brothers, sisters, saints we dearly love has to be encouraging to us. Think about this. There are faithful brothers and sisters. These are people that I know. I have sat at dinner tables with them. I have uh, known them personally. I've been in their homes. I've heard them preach the gospel. And I now know that they are somewhere this morning scattered to the four quarters of this earth preaching the gospel and living it. All scattered across this world. As sad as it is to be separated for one, from one another, it's encouraging to know this morning that I know brothers and sisters who are living and proclaiming the gospel in places like the UAE, South Africa, Mozambique, Mexico, China, India, Indonesia, Ireland, Spain, Canada, Massachusetts, Maine, Utah, New Orleans, Cleveland, Louisiana, Louisville, Charleston, Columbia, and even here in Newberry. But the only way the gospel can go out to all of those parts of the world is if we are parted from one another. One of the blessings of this season of upheaval and uncertainty for our family has been all the greeting cards and all the emails and all the phone calls and messages that I have received from brothers and sisters who aren't from Newberry, scattered across the world, who are sending us a word of encouragement. Each one of them a benediction. It is a very Christianly thing for us to give and receive greetings. The people of God have been doing it for 2,000 years now, from faraway places. It's something the kingdom of God has always done and will continue to do, sending benedictions to one another in the forms of letters and people and mission teams and in our modern era, emails and Zoom chats and text messages and care packages. It's encouraging to hear news from faraway friends. This week, I sat down at Genesis with Tony Bridges. And many of you hopefully remember Tony. And he was telling me, he just graduated this May, how the Lord had clicked everything into place for him to go back and teach band at the middle school where he grew up in Sumter. And wouldn't you know it, he's going to be serving with two of my friends in the ministry, Delmar Pete and Matt Sprinkle at Alice Drive Baptist Church. It is encouraging for us to see how God is knitting things together and to be able to see the seams in God's tapestry. A benediction is a reminder, brothers and sisters, as absolutely nuts and out of control as things may seem, as bewildered as you or I may be, as uncertain as we may feel about the future, all things will work together for good. To be a Christian means to believe that separation from one another is never permanent. Not even the grave can keep us apart from one another forever. We will be together again one day. It's Memorial Day weekend. A day when we remember those who have fallen in the service of our country. This morning I'm reminded of a video I saw recently online 
uh, little boy's doing taekwondo blindfolded. And he's fighting with his sensei there. He's probably about nine years old. And he's swinging. He's doing his best. You know, completely blindfolded. He can't see anything. Quietly, his sensei steps off the mat. And his father, still dressed in his military uniform, straight off the plane, steps on, and the boy is still swinging wildly. And all of a sudden, he hears a voice. Is that all you got, son? And you just see the boy freeze. And he's wrestling with his boxing gloves to get his blindfold off. He chucks him down to the ground. He pulls his blindfold off. And he looks into the face of his father, and he clings to him for dear life. Friends, that day is coming for you and me. Sooner than any of us realize. And you may feel like in your life you are blindly beating at the air. You have no idea what is ahead. Father, what is going on? But one day you are going to hear that voice. The one whose good speech you've been listening to all this time. And you'll hear him call your name. And on that day, when faith becomes sight and the blindfold falls, it won't just be your father standing there. It's going to be all of us, together with Jesus Christ, forever and ever. So until that day comes, may the Spirit come and put strength in every stride. May he give you grace for every hurdle. That each of us may run with faith to win the prize of a servant good and faithful. And as we run this race, you better believe that saints of old are going to be lining the way, retelling all the triumphs of his grace. Brothers and sisters, today we hear their call and we hunger and long for the day when with Christ we stand in glory. But until that day comes, grace be with you all. Let's pray. God, I thank you for the great privilege to know and love and serve with these people here in Newberry, many in this church, many not in this church, Lord. Your kingdom uh, is, is not bounded by these four walls, and I just thank you for the faithful brothers and sisters who will continue to faithfully minister for years after I'm gone. God, I pray for each of them. May you equip them for every good work and to do your will. May you work in each of us what is fully pleasing in your sight through Jesus Christ. In his name we continue to trust today.